When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For, for, for all things, for, for all things KC, KC, for everything Chiefs, it's always, it's always game day in Kansas City. Now, here's your host, Kayla Kinnearum and Cody Tapp. Hey there, everybody, and welcome to the It's Always Game Day in Kansas City podcast. Thank you for joining us. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. I am your host, Kayla Kinnearum. Joining me, as always, we've got Cody Tapp and Nick Schwartz. Nick, we are twinning today, by the way. I know people can't see, but... We're rocking our rust-colored long sleeves. Yeah, this is like I got a little terracotta, maybe a little burgundy. Oh. Is it rust? Is that the? Uh, is that what we're calling? I it? think that's like the really nice designery way to describe that color versus <laughs> terracotta. Rust sounds cooler than terracotta. I didn't even know what terracotta meant. Like the the plot, you know, like the the you know, like reddish color, like planters that like stuff goes. Oh yeah, oh, okay. How about clay? How about red clay? Clay. Okay. There we go. There we go. Fancy. For what okay. it's worth, I think Kayla's pulling it off better than you, Nick. Thank oh, you. Thank you. Stop that, Cody. <laughs> Cody, do you mind changing to join us? Uh, I don't think I own anything rust color. Oh. I'm not. I it's mean, color I, I probably. Fall. Yeah, but I, you know, I, I don't own a lot of. Uh, I don't feel like red's good with with. Uh, I don't know. It doesn't look good on me. So I don't it's own not- a lot. I don't own a lot of red. I wear it mostly for Chiefs related stuff. And then outside of that, it doesn't regularly make my wardrobe. Nick sees me every day. How much red outside of when I'm wearing a Chiefs shirt on like a Friday or Sunday do you see me in, Nick? No, you're right, Cody. You're not a great dresser, as you were saying. And <laughs> start, you know, dressing with the seasons. Yeah, it's it's not red. It's rust. There's a difference. You're right. I'll work on it. It's not in your color palette. We get it. All right, let's dive into this Wednesday episode. Um, we're going to start things off with the defense. And I want to ask you guys, do we feel better moving forward considering how we saw our Chiefs D hang with Buffalo on Saturday or Sunday? I think I think that that's more than fair to say it about it because they were without two of their top three corners, their second linebacker. They didn't get consistent pressure. And they held Buffalo to 24. Now, it took two fourth down stops, one of which was in dangerous territory, like the red zone, red zone. The other one was midfield. So, you know, that could have just resulted in a punt and essentially they got the stop anyway versus the other one would have given them points. But look, Stephon Diggs dominated them and they ran the ball pretty good, but they held the Buffalo Bills to 24 points. That team scores 30 on damn near everyone. And it's not like the Chiefs offense was consistently putting them in good position. They had to punt some. They gave the ball back to the Bills some. I feel pretty good about it, considering the showing that they had. It it makes me encouraged that they could be even better in defense going forward because they're still expecting so many of their talented players back. Yeah, it's weird because there there was part of me that left like wanting more. Like I wanted to see them come up with a better game plan for Stephon Diggs. Why are you continually putting rookie cornerbacks on pro bowl receivers, but 24 points. You're right. Is if you would have told me going into the game, the chiefs were going to hold the bills offense to 24 points. I would have said, well, then the chiefs win. 
Chiefs win because they scored yeah. 24 points just like the Bills do with regularity. So every time I find myself nitpicking or finding something to complain about, it's like, what are we talking about? The difference between holding Buffalo to 24 points and 14? Because that doesn't seem realistic, that that should be the expectation. Like, why not hold them to two touchdowns? Nobody does that. This is the best or the second best, depending on how you have the Chiefs and the Bills ranked, offense in the NFL. So all in all, I thought it was a really positive sign. The flip side is, this is the def- this is the offense that you game plan against. This is the offense that all offseason, you look at and say, how do we stop them? Because Brett Veach and Andy Reid, they know who their biggest rival is. They know who their biggest competition is, and they know if they want to go to a Super Bowl, they're going to have to be able to win games against that team. So while this is kind of sounding, this may sound weird, but while there may be other offenses that will give the Chiefs more fits, not because they're better, but because they're not the offenses that the Chiefs are trying to stop, it's positive to me just knowing that in the postseason, if you go up against the Bills, you have at least shown that you know how to slow them down somewhat. It could have been better, too. Like, I can't help but go back to that. There was no reason for Spags to blitz in that final first half possession when the Bills got the touchdown because there was no reason for him to blitz there. They kind of find the regularity or any semblance of the pass rush they had the first couple of games. We're having a very different conversation. I think what it is is that I I feel better about the corners because I think they're going to get better at corner and... I don't think that Joshua Williams and Jalen Watson and Snead were a laughing stock, despite the fact they were missing multiple secondary pieces. The safeties played well. The linebackers played well. Like the only unit I feel worse about coming out of that game is the pass rush because they still like, God, I was feeling kind of good for two weeks when it seemed like, look at the chiefs go. And after three weeks when they were still in the top five, but they're, they're like slowly falling off of that. And I don't know if it's because Frank Clark missed a half of a game or whatever else is in between, but that part of it is obviously concerning. But I just don't know that there's any way that you can walk out of a game like that against the Bills and say, boy, I'm really disappointed in what they did. They had only punted nine times in five games. They only punted twice against the Chiefs, but they also stopped them twice on fourth. And they, you know, they kept them, they held them to field goals a couple of times, which is objectively a win against Buffalo multiple times over. The offense was the much more disappointing unit in that game. I, you know, I feel better. That was their, that might've been their best defensive performance of the season. Like, and I know that that you're like, that sounds weird, but that might've been their best because while they might've held some other teams down a little bit in the scoring department, they were more consistently good in that game against the only offense that can arguably be named better than theirs. Yeah. I mean, for me, it was like outside of the secondary. Yes, I feel better. But again, we had just too many young guys out there. And once we get Fenton and McDuffie back, I'll feel even better. Um, but guys, what specifically makes you feel better about this defense? I was about to ask you that, Cody, because if it's not the pass rush and we no. saw the rookie corners kind of get put on islands a little bit, what do you boil it down to? What about this defense makes you feel better now? Um, I, you know what, the, the rookie defenders might've gotten beat, but they were covering them to me. The scheme fits their talent. I, I know I'm critical of what Spags did in that moment, but it, it works like I, you know, that I, 
that sounds stupid, I guess, or it's harder to explain. But I've watched the Chiefs defense. I've probably been covering this team for eight or nine years. There were times in which it seemed like they didn't get enough out of their talent. And there's times when it seemed like it was pretty clear their scheme didn't help the lack of talent they had. In this case, despite deficiencies because of injury, the scheme works. They are utilizing their speed well. Nick Bolton is all over the field, and they're letting him do that. The Even though the pass rush doesn't work all the time, they blitz really effectively most of the time. I still think they can find a couple of times to not do it. And I know Joshua Williams got beat twice, but he got beat twice one time when the pass rush didn't happen. But he was all over Stephon Diggs. Josh Allen just made an alien throw. It was a laser beam into the end zone. And the other time, I thought Gabe Davis maybe got away with a little bit of a push-off. He had good coverage there, too. Like I, And he's their fifth corner, which means they think four guys are better than him. And I didn't think he just got his ass kicked all day. I thought he played pretty well, all things considered. I, To me, it's just like they look like a unit. I don't know that I could say that each of the last couple of years in Kansas City where I felt like it was random hodgepodge of slow veterans who didn't go anywhere. To me, this looks like a defense that can improve. And all the other previous years when like my co-host and Kansas City Alex Cole try to co- convince me, be like, you know, defense could get better. I'm like, this one? This one can get better? Because I'm not so sure. I could be actually talked into it with this defense. That's maybe it's... It's probably more that than tangible stuff, Nick, but that's that's why I feel better about it. I agree 100%. I think that this is still a below-average defense right now, but for the first time, I'm like, I can convince myself that in a month, they'll be better than they are today. Whereas last year, when you had Dan Sorensen and Anthony Hitchens and Ben Neiman playing significant snaps, I looked at it and said, well, this is just who they're going to be then, because I know who those guys are. Whereas with all the young players, that's what has me excited more than anything. It's the individual standouts. I know that Chris Jones is playing like one of the most dominant defenders in the NFL. Nick Bolton has taken a massive step in year two. He's one of the best individual tacklers, one-on-one tacklers in the NFL. Justin Reed made a lot of big plays. He is a big physical safety and quite frankly, I think is an upgrade over Tyron Matthew. I have questions all over the defense, all three levels. And I still think there are going to be areas where they're going to be exposed. They have one interception this year. One. And everybody remembers it, right? It was the Jalen Watson pick six. That's the only interception the Chiefs have this year. There's plenty of room for growth. But for the first time, I feel like we may actually see that growth this year. Unrelated, but related. Does Nick Bolton have a nickname yet? I, I feel don't... like you're going to suggest one. Do you have one for us? Superman. Superman. Swooping in when needed saves the saves the day. I mean, that's a layup, but do we have another one that comes to mind? I mean, there are some other famous Superman. <laughs> not that, although in fairness, that one can be. You know, that one's been used by so many different people that no right, one's saying you can't. Um, God, even Pro Football Focus, which puts nicknames to people that nobody's ever heard of before, even they don't list a nickname for him. As a reminder, Pro Football Focus, who lists the nicknames, has the following ones for Patrick Mahomes, so you know that they're just making them up. Grim Reaper, which we agree. Showtime, which they try to stick for a little bit. Magic Man, which he's never been called. The Musician, also never been called. The Gunslinger, never been called. And Mahomes Boy, which I think Shannon Sharp called him (laughs) once. So Uh, You're missing one. You're missing one. Oh, yeah, you're right. Sorry, They also call him Fatrick. Which also nobody calls him. What? Objectively, not fat. You know, what does that yeah, mean? I'm I think yeah, like, yeah, because he's got kind of a thick neck. Mean? I don't know. 
Magician would make more sense. Maybe it's a typo. Might be. I don't, I don't want to say for sure. Um, but yeah, so like they don't have one for Nick Bolton. So no, but we can start workshopping that now. If you're a listener to this podcast, please add us on social media with some nickname suggestions for Nick Bolton. Yes, we would love that. Well, keeping in with the defense, uh, Tony Romo mentioned that the Chiefs have struggled versus number one receivers. And he's not wrong, guys, because here are the numbers. Week one against Marquez Brown, we had four receptions, 43 yards, a touchdown. He did. Uh, Mike Williams, eight receptions, 113 yards, one touchdown. Michael Pittman Jr., eight receptions, 72 yards. Mike Evans against the Bucks, eight receptions, 103 yards, two touchdowns. Devontae Adams, three receptions, 124 yards, two touchdowns. And this past weekend, Stefan Diggs had 10 receptions, 148 yards, and one touchdown. How concerning is this? And how do we fix it if we're the Chiefs? We are the Chiefs. How do we fix it? Oh, boy. I mean, hope McDuffie's really good. <laughs> I think some of this is coming from the fact that they can't just let Legereus Sneed guard the number one wide receiver. And other NFL teams aren't going to let that happen. They're actively working away from Legereus Sneed. Do you ever see Legereus Sneed in coverage? Like, do you ever see him, like, tackling the guy who just caught the ball? And the answer is pretty much no. Because why would you throw at Legereus Sneed if you can throw at a bevy of other rookies? And I think what will happen is the simple fix is Get McDuffie back and hope that he's as good as he was in that first game. That first game, he played 25 snaps. They didn't throw at him once. That was, out of all the stats you probably just gave Kayla, that was their best performance against number one. I mean, I don't know, like semi at least best performance against number one wide receivers on the year because outside of that, the only way to help your corners is get better pass rush and that's a whole nother problem. So in week one, when Holly, when, you know, when he played, they were the best against the number one wide receiver. So I guess my simple solution is get Trent McDuffie back and cross your fingers that he's the number 21 overall pick from a talent perspective. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now on pro football reference through six weeks. The Chiefs have given up the fourth most yards. They're behind the Steelers, the Commanders and the Saints. If we're just looking at wide receivers. Now, in fairness, they were up big in two of those games. So mm -hmm. it's not totally telling. Yeah, but you're, it matches your eyes. Like, it matches yeah, it what we watch, too. We, I, mean, I can remember specific plays from every single receiver that Kayla mentioned. Devontae Adams only had three catches, but he still had two touchdowns and 124 he made, yards. He made those three receptions count. <laughs> yeah, it seems like he had eight. Evans, Evan, Mike Evans was the same way, mostly because he had that, yeah. you know, that circus grab. In the end zone. Now, listen, some of those guys, we're talking about all pro, the best receivers in the NFL. They're going to do that to most teams. But it kind of goes back to what we talked about before the Raiders game, which is I don't need you to shut this guy down. I just need you to not let him have like a career day. And while maybe none of those guys are necessarily doing that, I mean, Diggs going Diggs, 148 yeah. and a touchdown. Like that's about as good as it's going to get. You just you don't, you do, it's, it's tough to imagine the Chiefs getting drastically better, but I feel like schematically, there are going to be things to do to just curb that production a little bit. I think some of that will, again, it's like the level of aggressiveness they have to have right now in those games is partly what's driving this getting beat by number one wide receivers, but they also don't have a true number one corner. We all like Legereus Sneed. He's a very good 
NFL cornerback who I'd be happy to sign to an extension in Kansas City. Okay? Very, very happy. I think he's a very good corner. He's not Jalen Ramsey. And if you listen to anybody in the way the NFL works right now, and I know the Chiefs are getting beat to a particular, like, to a particularly high level right now. The NFL is not designed for you to beat their number one wide receiver. Matter of fact, it's designed for you to lose. And if it's designed for you to lose and you're coming out of a game where you're starting a fourth round rookie, a seventh round rookie, a fourth round guy. Now he's in year four, so we can stop talking about the round he was drafted in probably at some point. But, you know, like you're up against it. Like Gabe Davis, their problem right now, Nick, part of what those stats that concern me about it and and you, Kayla, is those numbers would all be significantly better if they could have just limited the deep pass. Like, not, not Evans and Pittman and Williams, right? Those big, tall, wide receivers, those guys are going to burn them the entire year. But Devontae Adams or what Gabe Davis did against them, I know he's not their number one, but what Gabe Davis did against them, limiting those big, tall passes, fine. But all their corners are short. They were never going to be good against big, tall, physical wide receivers. And to be honest, you probably shouldn't expect them to just change their stripes. That ain't going to happen. They don't have the personnel. Very simply put, they don't have the personnel to handle big, tall wide receiver. So it should scare you against Jamar Chase, and it should scare you against those types of guys, but you would hope Trent McDuffie coming back will at least limit that to a stretch. They have to get more turnovers, though. They need a corner who, like, more than just, I, you know what's fine? Uh, Pittman can go eight for 110. Can you pick off the ninth one? Like, they straight up don't get turnovers. I feel like every time I bring this up, like, there's a couple of people to be like, all right, you brought it up. They're one of the worst teams at the NFL in takeaways. It just so happens that that's one of the most important stats in the NFL. So I think the Chiefs being bad at it is a direct reflection of their corners, which is where a majority of those turnovers come from. And while Justin Reed, you mentioned him, Nick, might be an upgrade from Tyron Matthew, there's one area in which he's not an upgrade, getting the ball. Justin Reed's never gotten the ball. He's never been good at getting turnovers, and he's still not good at it. He doesn't take the ball away. He's a hard hitter. He's good in coverage. He doesn't take, he doesn't get turnovers. He never has. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, price line. All right, we're going to move on to a reoccurring topic we like to call a little thing called vibe check. Spit it out, Kayla, on our Wednesday pods. How are we feeling through the first six weeks? What is our vibe check? Cody, do you want to go first? Uh, my, my current vibe is uh, a state of being I'm very used to at the moment. It's called partying in your mid 30s. Um, <laughs> It's got pros Same. and cons. It's got pros and cons. Very familiar with it. You just went to a wedding, Kayla. So you're yes. going to be very familiar. I just came back from a golf trip. Very familiar with this trip. Parting your mid-theory is very simple. Um, you're kind of enjoying it. When you're out, it's kind of fun. And then when you kind of take the bigger picture perspective, it's not as much fun as you think. Like, I'm kind of enjoying watching the Chiefs play football, but it certainly feels like it could be better. I would rather probably be in bed watching Law and Order reruns than doing this, than partying with you guys. So there's a better version of the Chiefs that exists that I would rather be doing, but I will accept this because I'm with friends. It's fun. You guys are still a good time to be around. I'm not saying it's an awful time and I'm not enjoying myself, but there's still greener pastures. 
it's there's some middle ground of I'm cautiously optimistic about the Chiefs. So partying in my mid 30s is my current vibe for the Chiefs. Cody, are we best friends? Uh, <laughs> law, law and order. You're speaking my language. Look, I mean, we're just it's part. We're, we're both in our mid 30s. <laughs> we, we understand that, uh, that there's a certain level of that is better than staying out till three in the morning. Yes. But if I'm being honest, I'm an SVU girl myself. So same. That's the best one. Oh, yeah, it is. I watch it daily. All right. Um, I, I will not. I'll, since I don't want to go in unison here, I'll just uh, I'll refuse to agree with you, Cody. That way, I <laughs> as the youth. What are you, a criminal intent guy or what? No, no. <laughs> well, I still like going out and partying. Organized crime. I'm young and I'm You're vibrant happy. and I have <laughs> lots and lots of energy. Just you um, wait. My vibe check is Grin and Barrett time because it's October. And this is typically when we see the Chiefs hit a little bit of one of their patented lulls. I'm going to share with you guys an absurd statistic. Well, there's actually there's many absurd numbers within this statistic, but so you'll have to uh, bear with me here as I get to it. Patrick Mahomes in his regular season career is 54 and 15, which means that in the month of October, he is 12 and seven every other month he is 42 and eight that is his record in the month of october versus the the sea you don't know what it is probably not all on him but there is just something about coming out of the gates we know how good he has been that first month of the season and maybe it's just like impossible to maintain that energy and that level of focus all year where the month of October is sort of recalibration mode. And I'm not even saying that Sunday versus the Bills was an example of that, even though he did have a couple of uncharacteristic turnovers. But this is typically when you see the Chiefs kind of hit that lull before really ramping things up in November and December, and it just wouldn't shock me if that's what we're seeing again. Feels like you could have called that like a coming-of-age teenage drama. Like, they got to find themselves here in the middle portion of the movie. So yeah. that they can be their happiest, best self at the end, Nick. But you know what? If that's how it works, if this is like a teenage drama where everybody, you know, is happily ever after at the end and the girl gets the guy and they love each other at the end of the movie. If that's what happens, then I'm OK with that, because thus far through four seasons, that's kind of how it's always went. Yeah. Playing good football at the beginning, hit a little lull, and then all of a sudden you're the hottest team in the NFL before you head to the playoffs. I like prom. It. Prom is the example you're giving here. You're the hottest <laughs> yeah. girl in football before heading to prom. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> what do you got, Kayla? All right. My vibe check is Patrick Mahomes social media. And what I mean by that is we didn't get a we didn't he's been silent it for a week. We haven't gotten anything from him. As as it pertains to football. He's talked about postseason baseball, but we got we always get the video after a win of the crazy plays and it's the hype video, we've gotten nothing. Um, and I, I like that. Uh, I did think we would get something like, hey, that game was on me. We're going to do better next week. We didn't even get that. He's just been totally quiet. And I think he's processing the loss. And I would rather him stay silent and then just come out next week against the 49ers and annihilate, annihilate them. So that's my vibe check. He kind of does this after losses. Like he'll just kind of lay low. And then when we do get a win, he's loud on social media. So I'm just going to stay humble for right now. And I know we'll turn it around. But yeah, I'm not not thrilled 
coming off a loss and neither is he. And I like that about our quarterback. Somebody well, needs to do a deep dive into like a correlation between Mahomes frequency of posting on social media and his performance on the field. I just kind of did. <laughs> yeah, I guess. He didn't say anything after the Colts lost either. The Colts loss. Hmm. He was quiet. This sounds like the less interesting version of whoever ran the numbers on Kyler Murray's record on Call of Duty double XP weekends. <laughs> but, but I am interested. I'm not going to lie. Did you see poor Kelsey? Did you see he was in New York for game five of Cleveland Guardians? It was supposed to take place on Sunday night and then the rain comes. So like, does he even like we're recording this obviously on a Tuesday. I don't even know if he gets to go to the game tonight. They're usually off on Tuesdays, oh. but because he's got to work on Wednesday, I feel like that there's a chance he won't be at that game tonight. He's going to have to sell his ticket. He that always be a bummer. To make it work, though, doesn't he? I mean, he just, I mean, if you're rich enough, you can just or invite Patrick and hope he takes the jet. Like, I mean, <laughs> that's what I would do. I'd be like, Pat, got a ticket for you, pal. Come on out. And I'd be like, hey, can I get a ride home? Do you mind? Plenty of seats, it looks like, on that. That's what I would do if I were Travis, wouldn't you? Plenty of seats, it looks like. <laughs> <laughs> can you not do this just like a ride in your friend's car with Mahomes in his jet more, right on your <laughs> private jet on the PJ or you don't even do that what you always do is you be like god I can't believe look that red eye really wish I would have maybe caught that earlier flight he's like oh no 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 no! I got you just come get on the flight with me you're like oh I couldn't are you sure I, I'd hate to do that I don't want to impose <laughs> yeah, and, then, and, then, and then you catch the ride that's actually maybe the better way to play it, Nick. Then sure it looks like you got a lot of extra seats on the <laughs> private jet. Do you mind if I hop a, you know, hop on? Look at us being internet sleuths. Yep. All right. Let's move on. Guys, when will Isaiah Pacheco see an increased role in this offense? A uh, few stats here. He's played a career high of 17 snaps versus the Bucks, 11 carries for 63 yards. Uh, and since then, he's played. Just 12 snaps in the last two weekends combined on the season. He's had 31 attempts for 149 yards and one touchdown. Nick, I, I feel like I've been having to be talked into this a little bit by both you and Nate Taylor of The Athletic. So you explain first because with every word someone speaks, I get closer and closer to where I think you are. So where I'm at is, well, there's two questions, I guess, to be answered here. When do I, because the question you asked Kayla was, when do I think Isaiah Pacheco will see an increased role or will he, or should, do I think he will? Do I think he will? Absolutely. Um, he may not be the best running back on this team, but I'd love to find out because what I know about the Chiefs running back situation and the fact that Clyde, while the, the snap numbers can be deceiving because Jarek McKinnon is still playing a ton, he's just not getting a ton of touches. The one guy who is getting consistent touches week after week is Clyde. And what we said early in the year when he looked really good and was producing was that, wow, this guy looks fresh. He looks healthy. He looks like he's got a little extra burst that maybe we hadn't seen in the past couple of years. Everybody has a little extra burst in week one because you haven't been hit in six months. Well, now all of a sudden you're in week six and Clyde kind of looks like the guy he looked like the first two years of his career. And there was never a play more telling than um, I think it was late in the game in the third or fourth quarter. And he gets a handoff. It was out zone. He, hand, he has to beat one guy to the edge, doesn't beat him. So at that point, you got to make the guy miss. Didn't do that either. And that in a nutshell is who Clyde is. He doesn't have that burst to get to the edge and he doesn't have the wiggle to make guys miss. 
And in this offense, if you don't have either one of those things, I'm not entirely sure how useful you can be. So again, I don't know that Pacheco is the answer or all of a sudden you should start giving him 15 touches a game and he's going to produce at a high level. What I do know is what you have going right now is not consistent. There will be games where Clyde will get punch one in the end zone or he'll rip off a big reception. That's fine. But game to game, like I don't care about the final numbers. I want to know how consistent is your running game going to be, whether that's simply running the ball or your running backs in the pass game. The, to- the season-long totals look okay for the Chiefs running backs, but we've seen the inconsistencies, and I don't get the rhyme or reason. All I know is he's the one guy who looks like he has a little bit of something extra in his tank. I want to see more of it. I think we're because I was always hesitant because I always felt like for those first few weeks, it had started to become pretty clear that it looked like Clyde was their best back. And that's how I felt after two weeks. And now that I've gotten six weeks worth of Clyde, I end up falling back to the same thing, which is he's on pace for 1100 yards. Um, He just kind of looks like, uh, like a Daryl Williams type. He's fine. You could do worse. Um, if he has to be your lead running back because of injury, fine, whatever. I'm not like, I don't think that he never makes good plays or can't be good out of the backfield. But the best runner, Nick, to your point, at this point, pretty clearly looks like Pacheco when he's in. Now, we have very limited example, and they were up in that game against Tampa Bay. But I'm with you. I'd rather find out now. Because they, we always pretend like that if they let Pacheco get more of the carries over the next few weeks, that they can't just go back to Clyde. I mean, unless you're worried Clyde will just never regain confidence, for, and in which case, that's already a problem. So this is the same thing I feel about right tackle. To me, there's no reason why you can't go to Pacheco heavy for the next couple of games and find your answer. Because if your answer is he's no better than Clyde, nothing is stopping you to return to the old form. There are a lot of really good, smart NFL head coaches who have rotated through a thousand different backs and it never changed anything. See the Rams with Sean McVay. See, see Bill Belichick in New England. It doesn't matter. Like it, it really doesn't. See Andy Reid in previous years. It doesn't have to be Clyde forever. It can be whoever, whoever you want it to be. It was Damian Williams after a year of it being three different running backs. It was Damian Williams out of nowhere. It really was. He had the same amount of yardage in the regular season as LaShawn McCoy, a guy they eventually benched and never played again. So it can be whoever you want it to be. Every NFL team has proven that. And now that we've gotten through enough part of the season, I think it took me a little bit longer to come around because I saw some good Clyde again this year. And then you start believing maybe he can be that guy they drafted. But the more you see, it's not the better you feel. The more you see, the more you want to see someone else. And I think that that's kind of what it is with Pacheco. I think it's really hard for teams to shake. We took one guy in the first and we took one guy in the seventh. And in this case, I don't think it should matter. This goes back to like Ezekiel Elliott back in the Tony Jones days when Ezekiel Elliott wasn't healthy. I'm like, you're starting the wrong back. Like, I know that you gave Ezekiel Elliott all this money for that stretch, But there was a good full season when he wasn't the better running back, despite the fact they kept giving it to him more. And I don't, you know, I don't know. Maybe this is the Thomas Jones, Jamal Charles, if you want a Chiefs example. They let Thomas Jones start for an entire damn year in Kansas City. You don't have to do that. Jamal Charles is better. And in this case, Pacheco might be. I don't know for sure, but I'd sure like to find out. I'm right there with you. First of all, he's just size-wise, he's more of that, you know, running back 
wine, if you will. Um, and something that we kind of touched on on Monday's podcast, I don't understand why we continue to run Clyde up the middle. It makes no sense to me. He just gets demolished. Like, send Pacheco in for those plays. What are we doing? You know what, though, Kayla? I agree with you 100%. The problem is Clyde's not good at the outside stuff either. But what so did you do like, well? Yeah, that's kind of, <laughs> kind of where I'm at. I mean, and look at it. Like, the last two weeks, he's had 18 carries for 48 yards. Ugh. You say he's on pace for 1,200 yards. Yes, he is, but I would also point out that his rushing attempts per game are at a career low. His rushing yards per game are at a career low. His yards per attempt have remained pretty stable. If it weren't for the five touchdowns, this is a fantasy football thing. If it weren't for the five touchdowns, we would be talking about Clyde having a horrible season. But he does have five touchdowns through six weeks. He had five touchdowns through five weeks, which all of a sudden makes his total body of work yeah. Looks statistically more impressive, whereas the efficiency numbers are actually pretty lackluster. It's hard because, like, he's averaging more yards a carry than a guy like Jonathan Taylor, but no one is in a more favorable run situation than Clyde Edwards Alaire. He faces no resistance at the linebacker and safety. They never put anyone extra in. It's just. You, Jonathan Taylor had averaged seven yards a carry in this offense. I know that's a bit hyperbolic, but, I, you know, like I'm only kind of half kidding. I don't think that he wouldn't average significantly more. And Isaiah Pacheco, for his very limited carries, has 31 carries for 149 yards. He's averaging more than a half yard per carry than Clyde. And to me, Nick, it's the same thing. It's maybe we're wrong and maybe Isaiah is not the more talented running back, but I still don't see the harm in finding out. Well, Chiefs personnel, if you're listening, we'd like to see some more play from Pacheco. Please and thank you. All right, guys, we have a fairly easy three-game stretch ahead of us. Uh, how important is it for them to use the next month to, quote, get back on track, if you will? We've got the 49ers, followed by a bye, followed by the Titans, followed by the Jags, before going to L.A., and let's be honest, after Monday Night Football, that didn't look scary, so... I'm going to be full. I'm going to be full disappointed dad if they do not win all three <laughs> of these games. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. It's not that you can't lose this and your whole season's over if you lose one of these three games, but damn it, you're better than all three of them. The 49ers have no one left on their roster. They're all hurt. All of them. Nick, this is where you can put the photos up if you want for it's Bosa. And Ward, they're all injured. They don't have anybody left. They're playing a backup quarterback. Trey Lance, and I know that it's different than a normal backup. This isn't even the guy they wanted to start the year with. They got no one left. Their offensive line's hurt. Trent Williams barely played. Their whole team's banged up. So you beat them. Then you get Andy Reid off a bye against a really boring, unfun, not particularly good Titans team off of their more important game. The Titans have a way more important game than the game against the Chiefs. They have to beat the Colts this week to be in first place in their division. That game is way more important. Emotionally, preparedness-wise, they should be more invested in that game than the one in Kansas City, in Kansas City, two weeks from now off a of bye. And then the Jags team, who have fallen way back, crash back to earth in a hurry. This is their easiest three-game stretch of the entire year. It would be disappointing if they don't go 3-0, and which is not something you almost ever say about any NFL team ever. Because asking them to go 3-0 and and say you'd be disappointed with anything below that's kind of a stretch. But it's not in this case because you're starting to get some players back. Some of these teams are a lot worse than you, and you should win all three games. 
Yeah, I mean, and you you have a bye in there as well. So I guess we can just chalk up the game after the bye, which would be a home game against the Titans as an automatic win. The Chiefs will be favored in all of these. I think they're three and a half favorites versus the Niners. But like, are you expecting any blowouts based on the way we've seen the Chiefs play this year? They just... I'm we, just talking wins. Blowouts, yeah. maybe not, but wins. Just yeah, Ws. Cody, you say that now. I'm going to bookmark this. <laughs> because... If they have like a one point win against the Niners or a one point win against the Titans or a two point win against the Jags, I can see us being a little bit concerned about. If it's all three of those in a row, then yeah, (laughs) that would be. You just you're demanding one blowout of the yeah one and probably the Jags. Let's face it, that's that's the team. They stink. Um, I'm not ready to go there. I'm not ready to give up on uh, our Lord and Savior, (laughs) Lawrence, but. You know, it's it's weird because I do expect there to be some nail biters. The, the Chiefs so far have told you that they're not really going to kill anyone. I guess the Cardinals week one was really the only one that you would. The, the, the Bucks, Bucks, they got yeah. pretty big on the Bucks. Yeah, yeah. So we, we can we can go two for six, which is actually a, a fairly good rate. But I just kind of expect this team to make it look a little ugly, not because they're bad, because really think about it the chiefs are kind of changing every single week week to week in terms of availability who they have out there who's getting the lion's share of minutes at cornerback at linebacker at defensive end on the offensive line at running back wide receiver usage like nothing has really remained relatively stable i know it feels like i'm giving them an excuse but that's kind of why i don't know what to expect right now from this team because that's going to continue to be the case is they work in you know, guys who have been out because of suspensions or injuries. Following up on that, I thought the same thing on Sunday. Can we just get a game where we have some breathing room and don't have to just be like on the edge of our seats the entire time? Unfortunately, or in the fetal position on the floor? Yeah. Unfortunately, the NFL doesn't. It's not really good at that. Um, the NFL is not really good at just being like, hey, just have a nice, cool, chill game. Because like even the Eagles on Sunday Night Football. They're so much better than the Cowboys. And even they let it get to a single score. They're like, oh, God, I guess we got to go down and score a touchdown now. Well, there was that stat last night. Well, I guess, depending on when you're listening to this, on Monday Night Football, they showed the stat through week six. There have been 73 games that are within eight points or less in the fourth quarter. There have been 56 games decided by eight points or less. Both of those are the most through six weeks in NFL history. So... You know, blowouts make everything feel nice. And we always say like a win's a win, but we don't talk about it like that. We don't no. talk about wins being wins afterwards. We're like, man, they really <laughs> have that out. But it is nice to remind yourself that every team is this. It's kind of like last year. Last when people were criticizing the Chiefs and when they were saying, well, they're winning games, but they're not winning by a lot. Like, would you rather them lose? Because that's what other teams are doing. The Chiefs finished 12 and 5 last year, but they just had a lot of close wins. And it only got them to their fourth consecutive AFC title game. <laughs> a game in which they should have won, but unfortunately lost that close one because, once again, games are normally close. Like, I mean, you know, like that's just like they're all 50 50 shots. A lot of it comes down to that final eight minutes and what happens in that window. And the Chiefs are better than most teams at winning those games. But you can't win all of them. I just feel like against these three teams, you can. Against these three teams, you can be like, all right, it's down to the wire. Who wins? You. You're supposed to win. 
you already lost your dumb game against a bad team against the Colts. How about maybe not doing it against these three teams? Is our expectation just a little skewed from what we've seen the past few seasons from this team? No, we we expect to win by a larger margin. I mean, maybe, but I mean, again, last year they were an AFC title game team and it was close. And honestly, the Chiefs deserve heightened expectations. If it's like, oh man, I wish they'd blow some bad teams out. That's not unfair. They're, they've been the best team in the NFL for a four-year stretch. Like on aggregate, they're the best team. So I got to judge you on a different criteria. The Bears go out and win some 9-6 game. Good for you. I'm glad you won <laughs> your game. You did it you know, Snoopy cheer. doesn't matter, whatever, right? The same thing that applies to even the Chargers, the way they're playing right now. They're hurt. They're missing two of their most important players. It's an ugly game against the Broncos. A win's a win's a win for them on that Monday night game. The Chiefs sometimes should look dominant because they're better, because they have Reed, because they have Mahomes. They just got so many young players. We don't want to do it all the time. And my expectation for it's a little less. What's a Snoopy cheer? That's like this one. Yeah. You know what? You get, like silence. <laughs> Jazz hands? No, it's like you know. It's like uh, it's like an elementary school thing to keep, keep kids from clapping. Leave it to the guy with kids to know what that is. Right. <laughs> I thought you were doing. Like, I thought you were doing like jazz. It was a jazz, It was a closed fist. It's great for our listening audience. <laughs> well, in fairness, you know, we release clips sometimes. So if somebody demands this, Nick, please cut it out so that oh, they no. can mark know it what down. about. Great. All right, guys, last but not least today, the Chiefs sack numbers have been lackluster lately. They had 10 sacks in the first three games and just four sacks through the last four games. Question for you. What do the Chiefs need to do to improve their pass rush? Uh, OK, so am I eliminating trade? Because that would help. Um, <laughs> yes. If if for the point of this conversation, I'm not pretending that they go get burns from Carolina or um Cleland Farrell, which is or Robert Quinn or whoever you dream of them getting. There is only one answer. It is George Karloftis starts sacking the quarterback like now Um, because Frank Clark has firmly settled right back into being Frank Clark. I don't think it's fair to ask Chris Jones to do anymore. They're already getting a lot out of the secondary. And I don't know if we think Dan is somebody he's not. It's very simple. George Karloftis has a half sack through six games. He has to get more. He doesn't have to finish the season with 10. Hell, he doesn't even have to finish the season with eight. But getting four sacks over the remaining 11 games would significantly increase their sack percentage because they have been slowly sliding down into the doldrums. They're only averaging 2.3 sacks per game now, which is 14th in the league. They are only averaging 1.3 sacks per game over their last three games, which means they're getting even worse than that. So they were getting to the quarterback, and now they're not. And the very simple solution is George Karloff just gets to the quarterback more. Part of me wants to argue with you. I want to argue with you because... You know. <laughs> well, George Karloftis is a rookie. Yeah. He was drafted 30th overall. And my gut tells me, hey, how much do you want to put on this guy's plate? More than a half sack. But guys <laughs> at his position typically don't produce right away. That is not a position where guys make an immediate transition to the NFL, unless you were, unless you're one of those guys that got drafted in the top ten. And the reason why you probably got drafted in the in the top ten as an edge rusher is because physically you're a little bit freakier than the guys who are drafted thirtieth overall or in the second round. Karloftis was drafted thirtieth. He's on a team 
playing behind, you know, seasoned veterans in this league. But with that being said, he's playing more on the defensive line than anybody not named Chris Jones. Seriously, there are seven guys, excuse me, eight guys on the roster who are playing a higher percentage of defensive snaps than Karloftis. So I do believe in the idea that if you're on the field, you kind of got to produce or put somebody else in because Frank Clark and Carlos Dunlap are playing statistically less than Karloftis, but they're producing more. I get it. it He's a rookie, but at some point, the production has to meet the playing time. And truthfully, Nick, it doesn't take much more to be productive. Again, none of our expectations, or at least mine, were never out of control. Kayvon Thibodeau, right? One of those freaky guys you're talking about. He only has one sack. Aiden Hutchinson has three. He got all three of those in the first game and hasn't gotten a single one since. All the other guys we would have mentioned around the Chiefs. Abikide, one. Trayvon Walker, one. Right, It's not like those guys are way above what Karloftis is doing. He doesn't look overmatched. I'm just saying get the quarterback more. I'm not asking you to do more in the field. Just hit him. like Bring him down more. Like a couple of times. Because those couple of sacks, the difference between being a 35-sack team and 45-sack team is the difference between being a bottom five-sack team and, being, and staying middle of the road. And he is the easiest path to maintain that, like to get to where they can just stay middle of the pack moving forward. Again, a lot of other guys aren't producing huge, big numbers. The leader in the rookie clubhouse right now has three, and he had that again in week one. So it's not like they're just blowing him out of the water, but because he's had close to getting one or two more, he just has to complete those sacks moving forward. Nick, does this have anything to do with you not wearing your Georgie Porgy shirt enough? Mm. Well, yeah, it probably, you know, it's, I've only worn it once and it was very cheaply made. So I'm afraid <laughs> I continue to wear it and wash it that it will become tarnished. But that's kind of like, you know, somebody who has like an old antique Ty Cobb or Babe Ruth jerseys. You don't want to wash it too much because um, that could sacrifice the integrity of the product. So I only pull it out for for rare occasions, but if you told me I could guarantee at least half a sack, because if George Karloftis gets half a sack next week, he will technically have done, he will have completed Cody's request. So then I, if you told me that it, it can guarantee a half a sack this weekend against uh, San Francisco, then I'll do it. Great. I can't wait to do that, by the way. Let's try it out and see. If it's half a sack. I'm coming back here and telling Cody that he can't criticize him anymore. <laughs> then it's just <laughs> over. Yeah. I'd like to encourage him, not criticize him. I think he's played well. I just don't think he sacked the quarterback. But to your point, though, Cody, all those guys you listed, like Trayvon Walker's the number one overall pick. He has one sack. Arnold, mm-hmm. Arnold Ebikiti, another guy the Chiefs were like linked linked to, has one sack. Yeah. So it's not as though he is underperforming compared to other rookies at his position. He's just kind of doing what rookie pass rushers do. Which is not get to the quarterback unless they're Micah Parsons. Like, it's a rare one that gets to the quarterback 10 times as a rookie. They are few and very far between. So, actually, to answer your question, Kayla, there is no answer. There is no way for the Chiefs. We're screwed. (laughs) Over. Bye. Okay, good episode. (laughs) And on that note, (laughs) I guess we'll just end there. Um, That is Nick Schwartz. He is Cody Tapp. I am Kayla Canaram. As always, thank you for listening to It's Always Game Day in Kansas City. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. And we will be back with you guys on Friday. Bye.